All right. Well, hey, good morning. How are we all doing? Good? Awesome? Wonderful? Uh, those of you that don't know, my name is uh, Pastor David Condry. Uh, I am the former pastor of Revolution. I am now the current pastor, or community pastor of Blessed Hope Community Church. Uh, so again, if you've never seen me or heard me, um, that is who I am. And I get the privilege and the honor to start uh, going through our four uh, discipleship strategies of following Jesus, or follow Jesus, connect to the church, grow, live with purpose. I'm, I'm proud of myself. I didn't even write those down. Um, as I started saying them, I'm like, God, please don't let me forget one. That would look really, really bad. Um, so we're going to start in continuation. We started last week talking about what is the purpose of uh, Blessed Hope Community Church, bringing a hurting world the hope of Jesus. And we're talking about that and how do we process and become uh, disciples and, and grow in our faith and grow in our service of Jesus and live the life that he's called us to live. These are the, the, the four that we identified um, moving forward. So we're going to start with following Jesus. So, as I was processing and thinking about this this week, if you go back to when I was about 25 years old, um, I couldn't stand, uh, and I've, I've shared this before with some that have heard me preach before, uh, they've, <laughs> I couldn't stand hymns. Um, I, I really couldn't stand hymns. I, I've always grown up in churches where, you know, you get your hymn out, turn to the page, um, and sing the hymn, and, and you're saying, I just couldn't stand them. They, they were, I'll just be blunt about it. In the churches I was in, they were dry, they were boring, and they're like, what's, what's, I don't like these songs whatsoever. And then God had me, and I won't go through the whole story, but he had me attend something in West Virginia, and instantaneously my attitude towards hymns completely changed. Because I was in a, a situation when there was about 450 men, and we were singing. <laughs> we walk in, and, and as soon as you walk in, it was like a, this men's retreat, and I was all excited, this men's retreat. And the first worship service, we walk in, and the guy I was with, the pastor I was with, he leans over. He's like, just so you know, all we're going to sing is hymns. <laughs> and I'm like, this is going to suck. <clears throat> and I remember singing a hymn uh, for the first time, never heard it before. If anybody's ever heard it, it's called N Can It Be. Never heard it before. And I remember being stuffed in this room with 450 men, and we were singing the song, and before the end of that song was done, my throat hurt because we, we, the, I had to sing so loud. And I was like, that's what a hymn should sound like, right? I was like, that was awesome. So I had this renewed thing, you know, this idea about hymns, and, and as we talk about following Jesus, and we're probably saying, why are we talking about hymns? I started to appreciate old hymns because you started to, you know, I, I took the time to start, where did these hymns come from? You know, you think about the Amazing Grace, the, probably the most famous hymn ever written. John Newton, the guy that wrote it, used to be a slave trader. He ended up going blind later on in his life. And, and, you, and you sing those words, right? I once was you know, blind, but now I see. It's like this amazing, you start reading into the stories. It's like, man, these take on new meaning. You start uh, learning about the, the hymns that Charles Wesley wrote. And he's writing these hymns during the, the revivals in, in England. And thousands upon thousands of people are coming to know Jesus. In fact, fields were filled with people. Thousands of people coming to hear them preach and sing. And he's writing these hymns in response to this. And, and they're writing these theologically just awesome songs to teach new people about the truth of who Jesus is and who they are. So you start learning this, it's like, wow, this is amazing. So I share all that to share this. We're talking about follow Jesus, right? That's what we're talking about this morning. Follow Jesus. Talking about hymns. How many of us know this one? Okay. 
if, if you're going to sit in the back if you can't be quiet. Okay? So I have decided to follow Jesus. This is a song growing up. We used to sing this all the time when I was a kid, you know? And, and it was one of those things where, you know, as a kid, once again, never took, put a lot of thought into it. I want to just stop for a moment. And before we move on and start talking a little more in depth about following Jesus, let me ask this question. Those of you that know this song, how many know the story behind this song? Okay. So about 150 years ago, there was a revival that happened in Europe. And because of it, a lot of missionaries just spread across the world, and one of those missionaries went to India. And while they were in India, they were in an area of India where the, the tribes were very aggressive. In fact, the tribes that they, they were going to, were they, they taught the men that you weren't a man unless you, you murdered a lot of people. Like, so, so before uh, a man would become uh, married, he, he was already being taught, be aggressive, people don't matter, you know, he, they're, they're killing people because that's what they were taught to do. Anyways, this missionary goes to this village and he starts proclaiming the gospel and the first family that came to convert, it was a husband, it was a wife and two sons and they converted to being Christians. They decided to follow Jesus. And they started to share their faith, and it became contagious, and more and more people were starting to turn to Jesus, and all of a sudden, it got the village that they were in in an uproar, and it got the chief of the village in an uproar, and what they did was they went and they seized the family. This mob went, and they grabbed the family, and they pulled them into the middle of the village, and they threw them down in front of the chief, and the chief looks at him, and he says, listen, recant your faith, Right? enough with this. We don't know who this Jesus is. We know nothing about him. Be done with this. The husband, and, and by the way, I, I did a lot of research, still don't know this guy's name. I don't know if anybody really does. The husband looks up at the chief in this moment, and the chief's saying, either you recant or you die. And the husband looks up, and he had actually written some notes after becoming a Christian and he looks up at the chief and he says I have decided to follow Jesus no turning back no turning back the chief infuriated by his answer ordered the men and they shot his two sons with arrows and killed them and he says now what recant your faith or your wife's next the next thing the man said Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. The order was given to kill his wife. Finally, they look at him and they say, last chance. Save yourself. Recant your faith. This is what he says. The cross before me. The world behind me. No turning back. No turning back. And the man was murdered. The significance of this was after this man was murdered, the chief was so overcome with the presence of God and the commitment this man had for his faith to follow Jesus that the chief all of a sudden said, there's something more that we weren't realizing with us. And the chief put his faith in Jesus. The chief, because he put his faith in Jesus, 
it spread throughout the tribe. It spread throughout the community. Other people started putting their faith in Jesus. All of a sudden, because of this family being murdered, because they would not recant, and they said, we are followers of Jesus, Jesus was spreading throughout the region because they were willing to say, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. The song came about because there was a missionary, a missionary from India that knew of this story and knew of these words, and he penned the song, I have decided to follow Jesus. So any of us that know that song and these verses, these are the other verses of that song, when we are singing this song, we are literally proclaiming the last words of a man that said, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. All of a sudden, it adds a little bit more weight to the song when you understand where it came from. It's interesting as I've wrestled through this and prepared for this sermon. I was telling Matt earlier in the week, I said, man, I don't, I don't know where this is going to go. I said, the, the bad part is, is all I can think about, all that keeps going through my head when I think about following Jesus, this is going to sound really stupid, but I've got to share it. All that was going through my head every time I started thinking about this, and I'd be like, Lord, get this out of my head. This makes no sense. As I was thinking about the scene in Terminator 2 where Arnold Schwarzenegger's like, come with me if you want to live. That's literally what kept going through my head. I'm like, that's the stupidest thing ever. I mean, I'm not getting up there and using Arnold Schwarzenegger and the Terminator as, as an illustration to talk about following Jesus. But after I started thinking about it, these words of Jesus came to mind. Jesus said this, he says, then Jesus said to the disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it, but if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. All of a sudden, I started kind of looking at that, and, and I, again, all I kept hearing was Jesus being like Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> follow me if you want to live. Right? I mean, that's ultimately what Jesus is saying right here. He's saying, listen, follow me if you want to live. If you want to truly live and discover life in this place, here and now on this world, follow me. If you want to discover eternal life, follow me. That's what Jesus is saying. His hand reached out. Jesus is saying, follow me if you want to live. So I want to process that a little bit this morning. What was Jesus really saying when he was saying, follow me? Because here's the interesting thing about Jesus' words, any of Jesus' words. I'm really good at wanting to interpret Jesus' words in a way that makes it easy for me. You get what I'm saying? Like, I want to interpret this that's a little easy for me. When you really start researching what Jesus said when it, come to, when it comes to following him... <laughs> Those are those, I think I said this a couple, or maybe last week or another time I was here. Um, there are certain parts of the Bible that I would just really like if they weren't in the Bible. And a lot of that is what Jesus said. There's a lot of things that Jesus said that I'm like, Jesus, if you would have just, if we would have just kept that out, this would have been a whole lot simpler. This is one of them. So if we're going to start talking about what does it mean to follow Jesus, then we're going to interpret that. We're going to come to understand that, not based on my interpretation, not based on your interpretation. We're going to discover what it means to be a follower of Jesus based on what Jesus said. Because he's the one that said it. And, and so that, that's, that's the importance of this as we move forward. 
So let's talk about this for a little bit. Again, I was processing this this week, and I was thinking, okay, what does it mean to really follow Jesus? And here was one of the first thoughts that I had. When Jesus says, follow me, he's actually giving us an invitation, right? I mean, it's an invitation. It's like, hey, follow me. Come, come with me. It's this beautiful invitation. But what is Jesus really inviting us to? So as an example, when I was growing up as a kid, anybody that was in church during this time, and, and again, I'm not saying it was just this time when I was a kid, but I remember this a lot, there was a lot of talk in the church like, come to Jesus because he's going to make your life better. Right? You ever, you ever heard that? Come to Jesus, he's going to make your life better. Can I be really blunt with you about something? <laughs> Being a follower of Jesus, it doesn't get a lot better sometimes. In fact, a lot of times it gets a little bit worse. So I remember growing up in church that, you know, you kind of have this, this idea of, like, come to Jesus, he's going to make life better, and then you sign up for that, right? I want to I be a follower of Jesus, because life's going to get great, and it's going to be awesome. And then all of a sudden, you discover the, the, the fine print that you weren't told about, right? And you're like, well, wait a minute. This isn't what I signed up for, right? I wanted the good stuff, you know? So, so we got to understand this a little bit. So when Jesus says, come with me, you know, inviting us to this relationship, we really got to understand that it's the greatest relationship you will ever have. But it's not always going to be, you know, roses and unicorns. You know, it's not always going to be this awesome, I'm the happiest person in the world. Sometimes it's going to be hard. So let's talk a little bit about what is it Jesus is actually inviting us to. So here's the first thing I want us to think about with this. When Jesus says, follow me, he's actually requesting your presence. He's ultimately saying, hey, follow me, because I want you with me. Isn't that kind of awesome to think that the, the God of the universe, when he says, follow me, is actually saying, I want you? I want you to be with me. I want your presence with me. One of the scriptures that means a lot to me, because I think about this every time I screw up, it's found in Isaiah. God says, come now, let us settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them white as wool. Right? This, this invitation, right? Come, let's talk about this. Let's fix this. Because I want you with me. And I want you with me so bad, I'm willing to do what I have to do to cleanse you so you can be with me. That's what the invitation, like, come, let me cleanse you let me heal you because i want you with me now there's a beautiful thing i want us to understand about this because he wants us with him jesus did something absolutely amazing which all of us have probably heard before but sometimes i don't really think we let our brains process what it really means he became god in the flesh because he wanted your presence he wanted you with him so let me give you something to think about on what that really looks like and what that means. There's a story I heard once of a group of people that were taken hostage in a foreign country. And their captors threw them in a room and they kept them in there in the dark and they kept them, they weren't feeding them, they were starving them, they were abusing them, they were torturing them through this period of time. They were, it was a very horrific situation for these people that were held captive and prisoners by these people. 
So special forces came in, and special forces did what they had to do, and they took care of the, the people that were holding these people hostage, and they bust into the room where these hostages were, and they're standing at the door with their guns, and they're, 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 they're all decked out in their special forces, and, and they look at these people, the light floods in, and they, they, they look at like, follow us, we will lead you to safety, come with us, you're coming home, but the people were too scared to move. Right? In their brains, they're saying it's a trick. Don't, don't move. Don't get up. Let's huddle in the corner. Don't, don't do anything. And, and the special forces kept saying, no, come on, come with us. We are here to save you. We're here to rescue you. We're here to take you home. We're here to take you to safety. And the people still wouldn't move. Finally, one of the special forces individuals got an idea. And he laid his gun down. And he went over to the group, and he sat down as close as he could to one of the prisoners so that their shoulders were touching. And he just sat there. And he let his body rest up against the body of the other captive. And after a while, he kind of kept moving in a little closer, a little closer, until finally it was almost like he was one of the group. And after he allowed himself to become one of the group where they felt comfortable like, hey, our captives, they wouldn't do this. This doesn't make sense. They wouldn't set with us like this. The special forces guy looks over and he whispers, follow me. And the person that he was rubbed up against was like, I, I think I can trust you. And when the special forces guy got up to leave, the first person got up and followed. And because the first person got up to follow, the next person got up to follow. And the next, and the next, and the next. And before you know it, every captive followed the special forces out to safety. Why do I share that story? Because when Jesus took on flesh, he came down into our prison and he rubbed shoulders with us. And he said, hey, I'm one of you. I'm right here with you. You can trust me. You don't have to be afraid of me. And as Jesus rubs shoulders with humanity, he then goes to the cross and he dies and he comes back from the dead and he looks at all of us and he says, follow me. Because I know the way out. And because he was willing to come into our presence, we find ourselves at a place where we trust him enough to step out so that he can have our presence. And that's what he wants when he says, follow me. See, if God would have just shown up in the sky with all of his glory and said, follow me, every single one of us would have hidden fear. We would have ran away from him. But because Jesus loves us, he came and he rubbed shoulders with us. And he said, follow me. When Jesus says, follow me, he's not just saying, I want your presence. He's also requesting our participation. He's saying, hey, follow me. One of the most famous things that most of us have probably heard if we study scripture or talk about following Jesus, when Jesus says, come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. Jesus is like, hey, I got a job for you. I got a responsibility for you. I want you to participate in what I'm doing. 
So here's the thing I want you to think about for a moment when Jesus says, follow me. He's saying, not only do I want you to be in my presence, not only do I want you, I want you to be actively involved in what I'm doing. I want you to rub shoulders with the next captive, and I want you to lead them to safety because I led you to safety. Right? I want you to participate in the mission that I came to this earth for in the first place. Hear me on this. Jesus did not save us so we can gather together in our little holy huddle inside the church and not have to be around sinful people. He wants us to go rub some shoulders with people and look at them and say, you know what, I'm rubbing shoulders with you because Jesus rubbed shoulders with me and he led me to safety, so now I want to lead you to safety. This is the request to follow me. That's what Jesus is saying. I will send you out to fish for some people. And they're going to follow because you follow. Because you trust, they're going to trust. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves living a life that goes beyond all the little stuff that we get overly focused about. Right? All the stuff that takes all of our attention it really doesn't matter. I, I find it interesting during the wintertime. During the wintertime, I'll hear, I, I, I don't like to fish. I'll just be blunt about it. I am not a person that fishes. Um, I'm all for it. Hey, people want to do it. That's great. It's the same thing with hunting. Anybody that hunts, right on. I appreciate you because you get me and you put it in places where it's already processed and I can eat it. Right? That's how I hunt. Right? I go to the fairway meat counter and I hunt right? That's how I do this. But I find it interesting during the wintertime because you'll hear these people that, that like to fish and it's just like, man, I can't wait till I can go, you know, it's like all these people, I can't wait till I go fishing, I can't wait for spring till I go fishing. Can, can I, I want you to hear me on this. If you're a follower of Jesus, you can be fishing 365 days a year. You're, you're just fishing for some different, something different. You can be fishing all the time. And the greatest bait that God uses is your very life of a follower of Jesus. And this is what we're called to when Jesus says, follow me. This is what Jesus is saying. Hey, I want your presence, but I want you to participate. But then I got to thinking about this a little bit different. It's not just an invitation. Follow me is not just an invitation. It's actually also a command. Right? When Jesus says, follow me, he's not just inviting us, he's also commanding us, hey, follow me. I got two little daughters, one's nine, one's seven. I, 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 find, I, I love them to death, but they are not very good at following. Right? You, you, anybody that's got kids, you understand this, right? You're walking along. Every time I pick my kids up at Tilford after school, we, we go through this every single time I pick them up after school. Because we'll be walking along, and we're going down the hallway, and, and they always think they know what direction I'm going to go. So it's always funny to me that we're walking, and I'll always kind of go back, because it's just a fun little thing I like to do with them. Um, I'll kind of slow down, and they'll just keep walking, and then they're walking down the hallway, and I'm just standing there watching them walk and walk and walk. And, and it's hilarious to me how long it takes them to figure out that they're not with me anymore, right? 
Or we'll get out into the parking lot and we're walking along and I'll tell them, follow me. Stay right behind me. Do not right here. Every single day it's the same thing. I'm grabbing one of them and jerking them back. I'm snapping my fingers saying, what are you doing? I'm, are you watching? Right? Because as their father and I love them, I say, hey, follow me. I mean, follow me. See, in my own Christianity, there's been many times that if you would have asked me, are you a follower of Jesus? I would have said, of course I'm a follower of Jesus. And Jesus is up in heaven going, really? Really? Let's talk about that. Right? And, and then that's when God shows up and, and, and starts having conversations with me. He's just like, David, you're not really following me. You're trying to like run 10 steps in front of me. Knock it off. Or he'll say, David, you're not following me. You actually got, you're, you're pouting over there and you're sitting on your butt. Get up and follow me. Or, or there's been times where I'll get mad and I'm like, I'm not happy. And Jesus will be like, I don't care, follow me. There's other times Jesus is like, let's go this way and I don't want to go that way. Jesus, that's not a cool path. He's like, I don't care, follow me. Well, well Jesus, I don't, want to, I don't want to talk to that person. Lord, they, they hurt me. I don't care, follow me. Lord, I don't want to give up that sin. I like it. It makes me feel good. I don't care. Follow me. Lord Jesus, everybody else is doing it. Why can't I? I don't care. You follow me. It's not just an invitation. It's a command. Because Jesus is the ultimate authority. We just got done singing the first song that talks about he's king, right? The king don't have to explain himself. The king speaks. <laughs> the subjects follow. That's the way it works. But see, me and my rebellious attitude, I want to I I debate it, right? Like, Jesus, let's talk about this a little bit. Right? How about, how about this? I give you this, you just take that off the table, we'll be good. And Jesus, every time, Jesus is like, I don't negotiate, follow me. But follow me. You know, what's interesting that I found out about, you know, just being a Christian and a follower of Jesus is it doesn't matter how old I get or how old anybody gets, age does not equate maturity in following Jesus. Here's the reality. You can be a Christian for 60 years and you can still act like a four-year-old trying to follow. Right? Because we, we, we fight this. I don't, I don't want to follow the command. So let's talk about this a little bit. What does it mean when Jesus says, follow me, and we start talking about it, it's a command? Well, the first thing is this. When we understand when Jesus says, follow me, and that it's a command, we start to understand that he's going to get into our priorities of life. This, this is the stuff that we're going to start talking about a little bit. Where I'm like, Jesus, it would have been cool if you would have left this out of the Bible. Because I'm all cool following you for the good stuff. But let me just keep my priorities my priorities. Notice what Jesus says. In Luke, he says this. As a large crowd was following Jesus, he turned around and said to them, If you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father and your mother, your wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. You know why I don't like this passage of Scripture? Because I can't really argue it. It's pretty, it's pretty clear, right? Here's one of the things I find really interesting about Jesus. If we were to compare Jesus to today's standards on, on proper ministry leading and being a pastor, right? Jesus sucked. 
He was horrible at being a, a pastor by t- today's standards. Here's why I say that. He had large crowds following him, right? He was like the megastar. Everybody wanted to be with Jesus. And then every time the disciples, I can just imagine the roller coaster the disciples were on, like the 12, because they were like, this is awesome. We're getting a big crowd. It's like we have an army. Man, we're going to take back Israel. And then Jesus would turn around and say something like that. And they're like, no, Jesus, Stop. Because Jesus would say these things, and the next thing you read in the Bible is like people were leaving Jesus. See, Jesus didn't care how many people were chasing after him to get something from him. He wanted real disciples, followers that were all in with him, and were willing to let him determine their priorities. Here's Jesus saying, listen, if you want to be my follower, your devotion to me There can't even be anything that competes with that. Right? We don't say, hear me on this. Uh, Somebody challenged me with this once. We don't say Jesus is number one in our lives. Because if we say Jesus is number one in our lives, that means there's a possibility of number two catching up. Jesus is the only. Right? He's the only king of my life. He's the only one I worship. He's the only one I serve. He's my only priority. See, now sometimes this messes with us, because this messes with me sometimes, because I'll say, wait a minute, I have a wife, and I have kids, and I have a responsibility to them. Hear me on this. If I make Jesus the priority in my life that he's supposed to be, then I'm going to be the husband and father that I'm supposed to be. But it's when I start letting my kids and my wife and other things start catching up to my devotion to Jesus, that all of a sudden I'm in a place where I really shouldn't be. I can be the father and the husband and the worker that I'm supposed to be because I don't let Jesus be number one. I let Jesus be the only. And when Jesus is the only, he takes care of everything else. See, that's what Jesus is saying here. He's like, listen, by comparison, nobody should even come close to your love for me your devotion to me, the priority that I am in your life. I'll I'll give you a really good example right now. I was thinking about this this morning. (laughs) And and hear me on this. I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes. If your toes get stepped on, it's not me, it's God. Um, So don't get mad at me. Um, I have a lot of stuff that I need to get done today. And when I was woke up this morning, I was thinking about all the stuff that I need to get done today, and all of a sudden, God just kind of whispered to me. He's like, David, why are you already thinking about this afternoon? The most important thing you're going to do today is you're going to come worship me. Knock it off. And focus on what you're going to do this morning, and stop worrying about what's going to happen this afternoon. And I say that because one of the things that some of us in this room might be doing right now is just like, that boy better hurry up because the hawks are on at 1110. I'm not joking. I'm sure somebody had that thought. You all woke up this morning, and you're like, church better not. Can you, can you hear me for a minute? Just hear me on this. I'm not saying the Hawkeye game's not good, great, and I have nothing against it, but if we are honestly saying to ourselves that we are more worried about getting to watch a basketball game instead of being in the presence of God in worship, we have jacked up priorities. Especially in today's world, because you know what probably everybody in this room has? <laughs> DVR. So you could be here until 5 o'clock this afternoon, and you can still watch that basketball game. I'm just saying, do you see, this is what Jesus is saying. He's like, focus on me. Let me be the priority that I am supposed to be. 
And because of that, when Jesus says, follow me, he's saying, hey, not only do your priorities need to be on me, he's also saying, I'm asking you to get all in here. Jesus doesn't just want us to ante up. He wants us to move all in. Notice another thing Jesus said. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Doesn't that sound like getting all in? I mean, Jesus is pretty, pretty clear here. He's like, listen, I want everything, not just a few things. I want everything. When I was thinking about this scripture, actually this morning as I was also thinking about this before everybody you know, got up in my house or my wife got up, I was thinking about another passage that Jesus said. There was a moment where Jesus came to somebody. He was like, hey, you know, he was talking about people following, and this guy comes up and he says, Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere. I'll follow you anywhere. And I don't know about you, but as, a, as, as who I am, if somebody came to me and said, I'll follow you anywhere, I'd be like, cool. Right? Let's do this. Jesus didn't do that. He looks at him and he says this. Foxes have holes and, holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. You know what Jesus was saying? Hey, you want to follow me? You good to be homeless? That's what Jesus is saying. He's like, I'm homeless. You cool to be homeless? Are you cool to let up all your comfort? That's what Jesus was saying. Are you willing to ante up and say, here, it's all in. Not just ante up, but saying, it's all in. Here you go, Jesus. I'm willing to even let go of my comfort. One of the things I joke about sometimes with my wife, and I need to stop joking about this because God has a really interesting sense of humor, and this is going to come back to bite me someday. <laughs> um, I'm an extremely picky eater, Right? Like, I'm good with all varieties of Little Debbie's, but you can start talking about vegetables. <laughs> right? I'm very picky. I'll just be, I'll be blunt about it, very picky. And, and I'll joke with my wife sometimes, and I'll say this to other people, that something will get said about going on missions trips, <laughs> and I'll be like, I'm cool as long as I got McDonald's. Right? I'm cool to go to a place where I don't have to be outside my comfort zone. And every time I say that, my wife will be like, you better watch it. God's, and I'm like, hey, God hasn't asked me to yet, but I'm telling you, I'm, I guarantee there's going to be a time where God's going to say, hey, step out of your comfort zone. And I'm going to send you to a place that everything that people put in front of you, you're not going to want to eat it. <laughs> but I asked you to be all in. Right? So think about that. He's asking us to be all in. Here's the last thing that this command means, follow me. He's flat out asking us, or he's commanding us, to obey. This is a word that I wrestle with a lot. This is a word that a lot of people wrestle with a lot. But I want to go back for a second to that passage in Isaiah, where God says, hey, come, let's reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make you as white as snow. I will make you as white as wool, right? That's what God's saying in this. He's saying, hey, come, I want your presence. But then he says this. This is literally the next verse after, Jesus, or after God says that in Isaiah. If you will only obey me, you will have plenty to eat. But if you turn away and refuse to listen, you will be devoured by the sword of your enemies. I, the Lord, have spoken. Right? So, so God gives this amazing invitation, right? Come, 
follow me, be with me, let me cleanse you, let me forgive you, let me transform you. And then the next thing he says is, but listen, the requirement is if you'll only obey. See, there's a lot of time in my own Christianity, and sometimes I do get tempted to fall back into this, but when I was, I, I wrestled with this a lot. This is how I treated my obedience to God. God, I can do this other stuff that I know you really don't want me to do because I'm doing all this other stuff that you really like that I'm doing, right? Like I did the scale thing. Like, yeah, God, I, should, I really shouldn't do this, but I just got up and preached. Isn't that good enough? Don't, don't they outweigh each other? Or shouldn't they at least be equal? Right? Like, like, like Lord, I, I'm trying, I'm doing things, but then there's times that God would bring something literally in front of my face and say, yes, but this is a problem right here. I asked you to follow me. I command you to follow me. I need you to obey me. And I would sit there and go, yeah, no. I really don't want to in this. And that's when being a follower of Jesus would become very difficult because God, while God would never send an enemy with a sword to devour me, he would let other things come to discipline me. Because he was like a father that loves me, and he's saying, follow me. You're outside where I, I don't want you out there. Get back here and follow me. That's not where I want you to be. Get back here and follow me. You know, as a, as a father, there's been times with my youngest, because she's the worst one about going out into traffic. <laughs> she's the one that there's been times where I have reached out and I've grabbed her and pulled her back. And when I look at her, there's just that like fear in her, her eyes of like, what was that? And I would, I mean, I, I wouldn't yell at her, but I'd be like, I'd be like, Piper, you need to follow me. And everything in her, there's been times where it's like everything in her just wants to cry because she's like, what did I do wrong? And it's explaining to her like, listen, I know you didn't like that right there, but because I love you and I try to keep you from danger, I'm going to yank on you to get you back where you need to be. And sometimes God does that with us. In fact, some of us might be in that condition right now where God's doing some stuff because he's trying to get you back in line. He's saying, follow me. I'm not just asking you or inviting you to. I'm commanding you to get back here and follow me. At the end of that passage in Luke that we've been looking at, Jesus also said this. He says, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. So this morning, here's the thing I want us to understand or think about is Jesus is telling us, he's inviting us, he's saying, follow me. So he's inviting us to this relationship. He's inviting us to intimacy. He's inviting us to participate, but he's also commanding us Get all in. Let me determine your priorities. Obey me. Trust me. And Jesus ends all of this by saying this. Some people are going to hear this and they're going to understand and some people aren't. Because notice one of the last verses I want to share with you for a moment. It says this. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. And then Jesus turned to the twelve and he asked, are you also going to leave? Jesus is basically asking the 12, are you guys done following too? Everybody else is leaving. Are you done following too? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. 
right? Going back to my weird analogy, (laughs) Peter got it. When Jesus walked up to Peter and said, come with me if you want to live, (laughs) Peter's like, you're the only way that I'm going to live is by following you. Jesus, or Peter understood, the other 12 understood, you're the only one that has life, and you're the only one that's worth following. So the hymn that we started with, the writer of the hymn actually added one verse to it that did not come from the man that died for his faith, and it was this, will you decide now to follow Jesus? No turning back, no turning back. We're going to conclude with something a little bit different again. <laughs> Those of you who remember last week that we're here, we did a little foot washing. We're not going to wash any feet today. Um, but we're going to do something a little bit different that um, I-, I want us all to be prepared for as we do this, this last song. Now hear me on this just for a moment. Because the last song, every time we do last songs in church, I, <laughs> and, and hear me, because some of you might be already doing this, so I'm just... Hear what I'm saying? Um, I always loved when, whenever I'd preach at, you know, Revolution before we joined, I would say, uh, there for a while, I'd say, all right, let's do our closing song. And then all you heard was like everybody's Bible's closing, everybody's getting their bag ready. There was like, all right, three minutes and we're out. Right? It's like, it's about time. I've been waiting, looking at the clock, like I can still get some food and get to the Hawkeye game. Right? That's what happens. Here's the thing. The reason we do songs at the end of services is not because the Bible mandates it by any means. We do these things because it's a great opportunity for us to respond. That's why we do it. We enter back into a moment of worship to respond to the way that God speaks to us during the rest of the service. It's not just some closing thing that we do to just make it nice and tidy and wrap up. It's a response opportunity. So here's what we're going to do that's a little bit different. When we do the closing song here in a moment, the elders are going to come up, and Pastor Matt's going to come up, and they're going to kind of position themselves here in the front. And I've asked them to do this, because what I want to invite everyone to do, or to consider doing, if God is speaking to you when it comes to being a follower of Jesus, I would like you to consider coming up and having an elder pray with you, and pray for you. Now let me explain why. One reason you might want to do this is because you're sitting here today and you know without a shadow of a doubt God is telling you clear as day, you have never made a decision to follow me. Right? You you, you might be in church, you might might have grown up in church, whatever. Here's the thing, I don't even consider myself that I even understood what it meant to be a Christian until I was in my 20s. I grew up in church. Right? I didn't understand. Here's the thing. God might be saying that to somebody right now. He's like, listen, You haven't made that decision ever, right? You believe in me. You you, you trust that I'm real. You trust who, you know, you you understand. But you never made the decision to follow. So that question's for you. Will you decide now to follow Jesus? Will you come up and will you have an elder pray with you and for you? Now, some of us here right now might be saying, I don't need to go up and have somebody know. I can make that decision right where I'm at in my seat. Yes, you can make that decision, But Jesus is really clear that he's like, make it known, the decision you make. Don't do it in secret. Make it known. Because we're not called to be followers of Jesus in isolation. We're supposed to be doing it as a church. So so that's why I, I encourage you, come up and just come to one of the elders and say, listen, 
I need to make the decision to follow Jesus and let them pray with you and for you. But there might be some of us also here that we made the decision to follow Jesus at some point in time, but for whatever it is, circumstances, choices, we're not doing a very good job of following. Right? Scripture tells us things like, Paul says, hey, cast off all the chains and the things that you know, ensnare you and keep you from running the race. Jesus is running. I'll, I'll give you this example of how this looks. Um, you're going to be surprised by this, but back in uh, middle school and part of high school, I was in track. I didn't run, right? That was not what I did. I did shot put and discus, right? Because you could do that and, and not have to be in shape. But one of the things I hated the most was when we would do practices and the coach would pick, pick somebody and then everybody had to follow that person running around the track. You always kind of sat there, like us in the shot putters, we always sat there like, pick somebody slow, pick somebody slow. Please pick somebody slow. And then you get the people that they picked that just loved to, run as fast as they can around the track, and you're, you're, you had to keep up with Like, the point was you had to keep up with them. See, that's how it is following Jesus sometimes, right? Jesus, our first core value is we'll follow Jesus wherever he leads us. Sometimes Jesus is going, and because of the choices we make and the sins we let in our lives, we're not keeping up very well. Or maybe there's something that's gotten in the way, and it's holding us back. Maybe you're dealing with something right now that's really making you struggle with your faith, Maybe you're really struggling, like, Jesus, are you really going to get me through this? Can I do this? I encourage you then to come up and have an elder pray with you and for you. Because remember last week we talked about this. We got to be willing to get open about the mess. Hey, I need you to support me in this because we're not running in isolation. We're running together. The last thing you might want to come up, and then we're going to do this, is maybe you are sold out and you're following Jesus. But here's the thing, when you get sold out and you're following Jesus, the enemy likes to come against you and he likes to make you feel defeated. And he likes to make you feel empty, like you can't do it anymore. So right now you're like, I'm all in, I want to follow Jesus, but I, don't, I, I just want to give up. I, like, it's not because of sin, it's not because, I'm just tired. I just feel like I can't do it anymore. And I encourage you to come up and have an elder pray with you. And say that. Say, I am struggling. I want to follow, but I am struggling. And I just need you to pray with me. That's what we're going to do. And again, it might seem a little awkward. And it might be something like, I don't know if I should do that. But we're called to obey, right? Scripture says, if you have a need, call upon the elders and have them pray for you. That doesn't put magical powers on the elders, by the way. But it's a way that God has allowed us to live together in unity as a church, saying, hey, come to the people that are called to lead you and love you and spiritually shepherd you and let them pour into you by their prayers. Because then scripture tells us that the prayers of a righteous man can do some awesome things you got to be willing to step out and let it happen. So I'm going to close in prayer as the praise team comes up and gets ready to do their stuff. I'm going to ask the elders to come and position themselves in the front. I'm going to pray. We will do the last song. And that is your invitation at that moment to come and have the elders pray over you. 
One last thing that God's telling me real quick is if you're feeling led to come and, and be prayed over, don't sit there and worry about what the people around you are going to think because they're just as messy as you are. <laughs> so don't sit there going, I can't get up and let these people know I got mess. Don't worry about them. Right? Don't worry about them. It's not about them. It's about you and Jesus. Right? It's about you and Jesus. So let's pray. First off, Jesus, just I have to say it. Thank you so much that you love us enough to even offer the invitation, follow me. I have, there's nothing in me that deserves that. There's nothing in me that even comes close to understanding why you would ever ask me to follow you other than the fact that you are awesome and that you love me and that you created me and that you have a plan for me and, and you just want me to be in your presence. And that, what an awesome thought. And that is true of every single one of us here this morning. Lord, if we are struggling to feel your presence, if we are struggling to know how well we're doing with following you, let us not get so focused on how well I did yesterday. Let's focus on right here and now. Today, this moment is the moment to say, I'm all in, Lord. I'm following. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to rely on you. I'm going to chase after you. You're everything. You are worthy. Lord, just continue to move among us, speak to us, draw us out into deeper faith with you because you are worth it and you are awesome. So just continue to speak and let us respond as you lead us. In your name we pray. Amen.